0: It is the technology show where we translate geek into regular speak. I'm Brett Levy, your host, and um, this week I'm super excited because I get to do a things with a Z, which I didn't do last week. Uh, unfortunately, had a little bit of a logistic delay um, in getting the the device to me, um, and I couldn't just didn't have enough time to play with it. I tried, but I didn't have enough time to do it justice. So. I thought I'd really spend some time with the, with the toy this last week and uh, give it a, a good review. So let's, uh, let's go into the screen mode and uh, get on with the show. So this week in Things with a Z, I am reviewing the Google Pixel 6a. Now, I think let's go straight off the bat with this device. I have to say that the Pixel 6a is a perfect device for anyone looking to get a good well-built and reliable device um, without breaking the bank. So I often talk about, you know, how much choice there is out there and it's specific in the Android market. Well, obviously in the Android market, there's no other OS, Mac OS or iOS available on other devices. Um, But there are a few devices that stand out in the mid price market. And I'm very happy to say that the 6A is one of those. Now, just to clarify the mid market, A mid-market in my opinion would be a phone that costs between probably four five hundred dollars and below a thousand dollars so up to eight or nine hundred dollars would be a mid-market phone and as with the top market and as with the entry-level market there are a lot of devices so there'll obviously be certain things that one would look for when when looking to buy a mid-market phone and it's not a surprise that most of the world is made up of mid-market environments, uh, sorry, mid-market phones, or handsets. Now, even Apple realized that many years ago, and uh, came out with the SE model, which was their way of still selling a premium device, but you know, with either last year's technology, or something that was scaled down, uh, where they could cut some costs. Now, the Pixel 6a is not that. It's not a scaled-down phone in order to try and compete in a market. It's a phone that's definitely been positioned with the mid-market in mind and offering everything that you would expect from a mid-market priced phone. I keep saying mid-market, mid-market. So let's just go with the fact that we're dealing with a really good affordable device and let's have some fun look at some of the, uh, of the specs and the features. So the nice thing with Pixel, which has always been the heritage of the Pixel devices, they always get really cool toys in the form of software or apps that you know, the other handsets don't get, they do eventually get them, but they don't get them just yet. So I was playing um, with some of these now, which seem to be very focused around voice and making calls and translating. So the one was hold for me. Now, as the name would suggest, when you call a toll-free number, um, and you get put on hold. So you're not know, like your phone and you push one and then three and then eight and then nine and 72. And after seven minutes of pushing numbers, you then go into a holding pattern or the call cuts out, which, yeah, we won't even talk about that. But if you are lucky enough to have done the finger dance of joy and get into the holding pattern, assistant chip can appear. Now, you do need to set this up. When I first got the phone, I thought that I was missing this feature because this is a feature that I really do like. Um, but it turns out you do need to go into the settings and actually activate it, which then downloads it ready for your region and language. So I did get assistant chip onto my phone. I did the dance of joy. I actually just phoned a random call, a toll a free number just to test it. You know, like Centrelink or Medicare, one of these ones that you know you're going to sit on for 10 hours. Um, so basically the assistant pops up, it says hold for me, you push hold for me. And you can then carry on and when a human voice is detected on the other side um, of the call it will notify you it will vibrate it will buzz or send a little alert Um, so as long as your phone is visible on your desk or right near you or if you're actually doing something else on your phone the alert will come up so it's a great feature i don't know um, if google will roll this out across android Um, It's not an Android 12, by the way, this is an Android 12 device. It's not an Android 12 feature, it's a pixel feature. So that was one of the cool things that came up. The other one was um, assistant voice typing. Now you might say, okay, but I've always been able to talk with my voice. This specifically is in messages. So when you go into message, uh, into messages, or I actually didn't try it on email. No, I didn't. I was thinking about that for a second. So, when you go into messages like text message or WhatsApp, you can hit the voice assistant microphone and then you just dictate. And I must say I have to give it a 10 out of 10. Now, for those of you that have been following me for a while or listened to my show for a while, you'll know that Google is my preferred assistant and the reason why I have Nest devices in my house. So, I don't have a HomePod. I don't use Siri unless it's to say hey, that word, please open Google, Um, that's as far as pretty much I go with Siri, uh, purely because it just doesn't understand my accent, Um, whereas Google has put a lot of effort into voice over the years and mapped out um, examples of, of accents from all over the world, including the South African accent, and the South African Afrikaans accent, and the South African English accent. So they even went down and differentiated along that way. So. When you pick up your phone and you go into messages and you start typing, um, sorry, start talking, and it dictates perfectly, I 10 out of 10 for me. And it is a time saver because I can leave the phone on the desk, just talk to it, carry on typing on my Mac, and off I go. So that was quite cool. Live Translate has had a whole new facelift to it and additional services added to it. So Live Translate has been around in Google for a while where you can take... Uh, text, and you can use lens, the camera, and you can scan over the the lens, the the text, and select the language that you'd like it translated to and or from, if it doesn't uh, auto-detect. And it works really well. So now what it's doing is when a message comes through, it will automatically just um, translate it for you. So, you know, I thought this was pretty cool. Now, Cade, my son, is teaching himself Japanese, and he's actually doing quite well at it. Um, so I'm, I actually think I should start learning some Japanese just, just to surprise him. But what I did is I went into one of his um, YouTube channels where he gets his Japanese content from that he's been using. And I just selected news, because news generally you can see what's going on as well, right? So I selected the news, but I, and I'd already activated captions, and while the news is playing along the bottom, the captions are coming up in English. So the news was in Japanese. It does say beta when you select Japanese language. Um, everything that I tried seemed to work really well, so I don't know if there's maybe different scripts in the different styles of Japanese that are still in, in testing, but this worked incredibly well. The From what I read, it seemed accurate. And why I say it seemed accurate, it wasn't one of those funny translations that you get when you watch something, it goes, well, it's, it's, here we go. Go and find yourself an anime video and watch the music and put closed captioning on when it changes to English. The words don't even make sense. The phrasing doesn't even make sense. That's not the case with live translate. It really does make sense. Um, This is going to go a long way to, you know, when you're having conference calls with teams that are are all over the world, speaking different languages. Now, I'm not sure if this is a threat or an opportunity for Aria. Shout out to Aria um, from Kudoway. Um, They offer a service where they have live translators translating for you in your language during a call or during a conference, etc. cetera. Um, this would probably do the same thing. So it might be, I'd be very interested to get your opinion on it. Well, you don't have a Pixel 6a, but we have to get together and you can have a play. So um, yeah, that was pretty cool. And I mean, I was just thinking like, you know, if you go to a country, they also have phrases. So you can actually say a phrase like, where's the toilet? And then it would just play it for you. Um, and then that person could talk back to you in their language. In this case, it'd say it's still Japanese and it would translate back for me in English. So um, very cool, uh, lovely feature. Good to see that there's a focus on voice. This extends also by using voice capability. Sorry, I left this out when I was talking about the messages as well. People that have disabilities, maybe don't have hands or you know use a pens to type or um, other parts of their bodies, um, they don't need to do that now. They'll be able to just talk to the device, and the message will be able to come up. They could even say send, and it will send. So yeah, really like the translate and transcript features, Uh, what else do we have? Right, let's talk about cameras, now probably the most important part of any mobile phone decision these days, arguably, um, I don't know why you buy um, your phones. yeah, you know, for me, the camera is a, an incredibly important part of my decision. There's probably two parts. There's the camera and then there's the battery. I'll get to the battery and charging later on. So let's focus on cameras. Now, if you're watching the show as opposed to listening, you'll see on the screen I've put up the family of Pixel 6. So you've got the Pixel 6 Pro, the Pixel 6, and the Pixel 6a. Now, the one thing that you will notice, and, I, and if you're watching, you'll see now I'm going to hold my phone that I've got here on the side. So I'm trying to get the angle so you can see. The camera housing is really low. It's quite flush, actually. There's not much of a bump here. Okay, I'm trying to show you from the side. Whereas with the Pixel 6 and the Pixel 6 Pro, it's actually very pronounced. I'd say it's probably a good centimeter, um, as opposed to this, which is like maybe a millimeter. Um, And the reason for that is the camera technology in the other two phones is very different. It uses a different lens system, um whereas the pixel 6a doesn't it has its own camera the camera technology is actually very similar not from the way the housing is but from what it does in its performance and the apertures and remember on this show we translate geek into regular speak so i don't talk about aperture lens width and blah 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 i'm just talking about how it looks and how cold it takes pictures but if you've looked at or played with or even owned a pixel 5 the camera on the pixel 6a is pretty much the same. It has more features in it, in the sense of its software, but that would also be, a, 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 again, an Android 11 to Android 12, as well as um, what the Pixel gets as a unique feature. But this camera is definitely nothing to, to. Uh, what's the, I'm trying to think one of those phrases, you know, you can't cast a shadow on it, on it. you don't want a shadow in your pictures anyway, right but there's nothing wrong with the camera on this phone. So although it is different to its six and six pro, um, it is definitely a capable camera. I was doing world pictures, you know when you do when you can create um, 360 degree photos um, and then you can actually turn them into a VR mode or you know, for, for immersion if you wanted to. Um, great zooming, great nighttime <laughs> photography. Now I actually, when I first got to play with the Pixel Pro I wasn't quite sure about this back bar um well, I'm taking pictures that's a feature I don't know if this is a feature on all phones, but if you tap the back of the phone twice, you can predetermine what it does. in this case, it takes a screenshot now that's quite handy um handy for most people, except my son and I have this habit of doing well, I'm not going to do it now because I'll be taking screenshots till the car come home but i when I listen to music and I'm holding my phone, I kind of go like this I go. I, I I tap along to the song, and I've been blasting off screenshots at a furious rate. So it's not such a great feature for me to have on, but I've just done it now. Um, but when you're watching content, so if you've got your phone in landscape mode and you're holding it, what's nice is that my finger now knows where the cameras are because it's, it's going to hit this bump. So instead of putting my fingers on the actual lenses, he says touching the lenses, um, I can now hold here knowing that I'm actually up against the the bar, um, or the bridge, I'm not sure if there's a, a name, I know that there's another brand out there that gets upset when you refer to some of their devices with the wrong names, but I'm just going to call it the bar or the ridge. And my my hand, it it holds nicely, it actually acts as a bit of a grip, so I flick it around, um, and as I said, when you're watching content, just to hold it, and if you're watching the show, you'll see now my fingers are there. This is how I hold the phone, I'm not touching the lens, the lenses are inside there, but my finger is actually stopped against there. So that's pretty cool. Um, As I said, you know, it's like when the notch came out on the iPhone, like, ooh, notch, notch, now all the phones are bringing out with notches. The bar really is not bad, it's comfortable, it sits nicely when you hold your phone, it actually gives you an extra grip when you do a selfie as well. So um, yeah, so that's on the cameras. Um, I shot a couple of nighttime pics. I shot a couple of daytime pics. I played with the aperture. That's not where the camera stops. Right. So the software that's been put into the Pixel, and I actually need to check my Pro if it has the same by way of an upgrade or, you know, maybe it was already there and I didn't notice it. Well, I definitely didn't notice the one feature I'm going to talk about because it didn't exist. But what they've done as well is they've put real tone into it. Now real tone is not something you can turn on and off. It's part of the AI of the phone. And what it is, as its name would suggest, is that we all have varying skin tone colors. Every time I do the show, I realize that I need a suntan. I have a very light complexion, as you can see. So when you have people in a photograph with multiple colors, generally the AI kind of just blends and blends it all out not with the 6A. So the 6A will use real tone and will put people with their real colors next to each other. So you actually get that depth and um, uh, um, saturation in your pictures as well. So that was quite cool. Now, um, one of the things that I reviewed on the Pixel Pro and is on this as well is the Magic Eraser. Now, if you don't know what the Magic Eraser is, I've actually got on the screen, if you're watching, there's a nice image of the bank with the pictures in the background. So what the magic eraser does is it's basically goodbye photo bomber technology, but also for um, objects. This is something that I use probably every second day since I've had the feature. So if you're watching on the screen, if not, I'll describe it through. There's a picture of two kids playing in the sand, got a nice big green cooler box, they're wearing bright colored shirts. And in the background is a deck chair and a umbrella. And you just don't want them in the photo, right? Magic eraser, you tap it and it just removes it. And it uses AI to build up what the background should be like. So if you're watching, I have clicked it and there it is. So the umbrella's gone, the deck chair is gone. Now if you've noticed, the green is not as vivacious as it was in the previous picture. I'm gonna go back. If you look at the green of the cooler box next to the kids, It's quite a rich green, right? In this photo here, it's now light. Well, it isn't. If you look carefully, there's actually an outline around it. This is the new feature that's come out with the 6A, and I'm going to go and check on my pro after the show if it's there as well, and it's called camouflage. And the idea behind camouflage is it lets you change colors of objects instead of erasing them, so, why would you do that? Well, as I mentioned, the, the little boy and the girl in the photo, the boy's wearing this like yellow shirt with these blue pants. She's wearing a purple shirt. The green just kind of clashes. So, if I click on that and I'll show you what it does, it's changed the green to the sand color neutral. So the box is still there, but it kind of just blends, hence the name camouflage, into the background. Now, this is a great feature because the cooler box is a nice piece to have there. You didn't need to get rid of it, it'll just actually be. Lots of sand because the AI would build up sand in the background. But having camouflage is re- really cool. Now I've got a um I've got a product here that comes in this really bright orange box. And I had it, I'm looking that way because it's still there now. I had it next to my printer, which is black, and there's a set of like really old books that are like a beigey brown, and it's on a brown desk. So this orange really, really pops. So I took a picture and I um used camouflage and it turned the orange into this like subtle almost washed out blue, and it actually just blends really nicely next to the books and the, and the, the black of the printer. So it's a great feature. It works really, really well on this, and I, said, I am going to go and check and see if it is on my Pro afterwards, because I like to shoot pictures with my Pro. The, the camera on there is top end, um, and yeah, so camouflage. Now, I mentioned earlier battery. So battery is probably the second um, reason or second consideration when it comes to buying a phone. We all want all day batteries. Well, I'm pleased to say that the Pixel 6a has a lost all day or lasts all day battery. It is definitely a 24 hour battery. And this is even with 5G on. Now, the reason why I stress with 5G on is that um, 5G, you may or may not know this, if you have a 5G phone, which most of the modern phones are, um, if you have 5G turned on, but you're not in a 5G network, the phone is constantly looking to try find a 5G network, which means it's using battery. And this is something that when when the iPhone first came out, a lot of people were complaining about it because their battery wasn't lasting and that was actually the culprit. So if you're not in a 5G area, turn off your 5G, you just don't need it. It's like having having something that you don't, you know, it's like having the winning numbers to the lottery that was drawn yesterday. You just don't need it, right? It's not gonna do anything for you. So turn off your 5G. Point that I'm stressing though is if you don't turn off your 5G, it will still get a full day. Now, um, there's a lot of clever software. I've actually put some of them up on the screen. These are the screenshots from the device. You have adaptive preferences and you have extreme battery. Under extreme battery, I haven't tested this myself, but it was written down uh, in the press notes that I, that I was given when I to, to review the device. And I'm pretty sure they're not gonna lie about things like this. But With extreme battery saver mode, you could get up to 72 hours off your battery. Now, what extreme battery mode is and adaptive mode is it looks at your favorite apps. It learns what your favorite apps are, and then it just turns off the other ones. So it doesn't waste any processor power, any processing, any battery, it doesn't even keep them ranked. If you're not using apps, it just pushes them out of it. It doesn't even look over them. Can you still access those apps? Of course you can. You scroll, you find the app, you click, it opens. But it's not using any of its power to look or constantly check these apps or see when you use them last and so on. It scans, it moves them, it forgets about them. And that's one of the ways that it helps save your battery. Now, from a battery health point of view. This is something that a lot of people don't seem to understand. They buy phones and say, oh, my phone only lasts a year. Your phone didn't last a year. Your battery might have only lasted a year, but your phone's probably good for four to five years. Um, I know phone manufacturers probably don't say that because they want you to buy phones more regularly. And if you're like me, you don't care how long your phone lasts because you do get phones more regularly. But the point is your phone can last four or five years. In fact, I've spoken about this many times on other shows about using older technology and the ability to still upgrade the, the, the software and, and so on. But from a battery health point of view, this is another clever feature that um, comes out in the Pixel, is that it has um, adaptive charging. So let's say, for example, most of us charge our phones at night, right? We use our phones the whole day, we get into bed, we plug our phone in, and most of us probably use our phones as an alarm clock as well. This is a good thing. Now, if you are one of those rare people that actually does get eight or more hours of sleep a night, clearly not friends with me, that would mean that your phone, even if it was like totally empty, would probably be on trickle charge for three to four hours because it's only going to take about four hours to charge up your phone if it was totally flat. Now, trickle charge, like its name that it's still sending charge into the battery and there's software and there's a little... Diodes and anodes and I don't know I'm an electrician. Things, regulators, transmitters, resistors that that balance uh, how that works and how it charges. The point though is live charge is still feeding into your battery. What the adaptive charging does is it actually works out how long it has to charge your battery and then adjusts the speed of how it charges your battery. And one of the tools that it uses, for example, is your alarm clock. So let's say you get into bed like I do, up twelve one 12, one in the morning, you're gonna get up at uh, 7.30, eight. So that's a six, six and a half hour sleep pattern. Um, my alarm set for 7.30. The phone sees it set for 7.30 and it says, right, I now have six hours to charge this phone. And it adapts its speed of charge accordingly. Hence looking after the life of your battery. So if your time is shorter, it will rapid charge. So don't worry, don't stress. if it has if you've turned off the mode it will always just default into its fast charging mode speaking of charging um the one thing that the phone the the 6a doesn't have is wireless charging now i don't know if that's a deal maker breaker for you i personally do like wireless charging Um, next to my bed i have a wireless charger so i just put my phone down on it i put my ear pods on it and i put my watch on it as well and it just charges so for me it's a convenience however um, it's not the end of the world if I actually have to plug my phone in. Uh, when I travel, I take a charger. I don't take wireless charging devices. So um, that would be the one thing that you might find. Um, the other thing, and including the Pro, I, there's no face unlocked, which I, I still find strange um, that Google hasn't done this. Uh, Android clearly has the capability to do face unlock. Um, but as I said, the Pixel Pro doesn't have it either, uh, not wireless charging, face unlock, Pixel Pro does have wireless charging. Uh, but yeah, that's, as I said, now if you take all of that into consideration, right? So the camera is not the Rolls Royce of camera, but it's definitely not sluggish. There isn't wireless charging, and there isn't face unlock. Um, is it gonna be a deal make or breaker for some people? But possibly, yes. However, let me just quickly clarify. On the Pixel 6, the difference in price, and I don't talk prices normally, but I think it's important for this discussion. The main difference is the rest of the differences between the 6a and the 6 are negligible. It's the same processor. The 6 has got, uh, I think it's 6 gigs of RAM. The 8's got 8 gigs of RAM. Uh, Both of that's more than you need anyway. So, you know, little things like that. Okay, the camera we've discussed and the wireless charging we've discussed, and um, the Pixel 6 and the Pro also have battery share, so you can actually use your phone to charge someone else's up. Why you would do that, I don't know. You charge their phone and yours runs out. But it is 25% below the price of the 6. So the recommended retail is about $750 uh, on the on the 6a, and the 6 is about $1,000. So $250 is a substantial amount of money. Um, you know, I personally don't think that wireless charging and face unlock is, and it has got pick, fingerprint unlock in the screen, so there's no funny buttons on the back. Um, so, 250 bucks saving with pretty much all the same features, same operating system, same software features, it, that's definitely going to be a decision that you would need to make. So, um, yeah, I think if you are looking at a medium phone, um, and I said it, there is choice out there, But I think the 6A is one that you should consider. Now for a bit of fun, just to finish off the slides, if you're watching, my friend, Alon, shout out, sent this through to me when when I mentioned that on today's show I'd be uh, doing the 6A. Um, There's a company called dbrand, I think it's dbrand.com, they make skins, you can have any custom skin you wanted, and they also make their own predetermined, and you can just stick the skin on your phone, it's really cool. They've come out with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Pixels. And if you're looking at the show, you'll see. If you're not allowed to describe it, it's, it's a green skin, solid green, turtle green. And then along the camera bar is the red, blue, orange, or purple, your choice of, what's it, Raphael, Donatello, Michelangelo, and uh, Leonardo. Um, so I actually think I need to get myself one of these. I definitely think that's cool. I don't know if it'll be as cool like if you've got the phone without the others, but whichever ninja you identify with, you can now get a, a, a skin for it. And I mean, considering this phone's just launched and that's already out there, well done to uh, dbrand for that. So thanks a lot for that. Fine, that was a great way to, to end off my review. Um, love the phone, highly recommend it. And uh, yeah, that's uh, the Pixel, Google Pixel 6a. Right, what do we have next? Tech news. Well, I'm gonna stay with Google, seeing I've spent so much time with Google this week. Russia is fining Google $375 million for failing to take down certain content. I'm going to try and pronounce this, the Roskomnazdor, that's what that word is if you're up on the screen, which is Russia's telecommunication dog, and in fact, I used Lens, there it is, Roskomnazdor, there's my Google Lens picture, Um, they're the watchdog, they've decided to find Google. I'm just going to put an idea out there how about stop bombing innocent people russia maybe more important than worrying about uh whether google's putting content up about you doing things you shouldn't be doing so anyone out there that knows how to do some little ddos attacks or whatever maybe Roskomnadzor doll needs a little bit of love along with the rest of russia for their atrocities that they're committing at the moment uh, yes very pro ukraine very anti what you people are doing over there in russia at the moment sort your shit out right moving swiftly along staying with google so they've begun publicly testing their ar glasses and i so hope that i get my hands on a pair of these um basically it's not it's not google glass point two the focus is on augmented reality they're going to look more like like glasses i've got a picture up here i don't know if that is the final version or if that was a prototype. I've never seen a pair. I don't know what they look like and I haven't had it confirmed. But the glasses won't be able to take photos or videos. So for all the concerns that people had, and in fact, there's another person or another little company out there that I love to bash. Their glasses do take photographs. So the big problem with Google Glass originally is you could walk into public places or you could walk into change rooms. You could take photographs of people if you were that way inclined and it got a lot of bad rap for it. If you take all the cool things that I've just mentioned above about translating, about assistive tech, um, about being able to, even now when I looked at Roz Kosman's door, whatever they're called, and translated it you know, while I'm walking around, these glasses make sense. They've been designed to look more like glasses. You'd be able to put prescription lenses into the lens part of them or sunglasses if you don't need them, and yet still have that um, augmented um, data input that comes up for you you're not going to be able to watch movies through them, that's not what they are. This is about information. If you're driving, say you're riding a motorbike, if you have maps, it might be able to give you a a turn right now, turn left now, without having to, or bicycle even, without having to look down at a device, which is dangerous on a bike. So yeah, um, I reckon that these are a winner. Um, I've always been a big fan of AR and VR. We talk about it on the show all the time. So I would really like to see a pair of these in the flesh and, and have a play. Um, right. Facebook's doing a little copy again. No, really? Facebook copying? Can't believe it. So if you look at the screen, you'll see that's what Facebook's new logo could look like. Well, if you look really carefully, that's actually TikTok's colors that are being spray painted around it. So Meta have announced uh, changes to Facebook now um, that involve making their main home screen more like TikTok. So there'll be vertical displays, of algorithmically generated public posts, and users will be able to access reels and stories and that from the home screen. So clearly they realize that their lunch has not only been eaten, but the takeaway box is already filled and passed on, mean, the average age of Facebook now I think is 55. This is probably uh, their way of trying to get back to where they should be. You know, it's quite sad when the leader, um, and I say leader. They were the main social network. There were networks before them, but when it came to social networks and what social networks were supposed to be, it was Facebook, right? Um, so it's quite, it's quite sad when uh, they have to actually copy other people um, and they can't innovate. With all the money they've got and all the things they've bought, they still lack innovation. Well done, Zuckerberg. Anyway, let's move along. Uh, what have we got now? Oh, Twitter. So it's not bad enough that a certain billionaire is causing trouble for Twitter. But Twitter is now investing claims of a vulnerability where apparently 5.4 million users' names, phone numbers, email addresses were obtained. And, you know, is it a big deal? Yes. Well, any data breach is a big deal. But Twitter, you know, especially if it was the verified accounts, um, you know, if they're celebrities or things like that, if you can hack their data, reset their accounts, you can do a lot of really bad things with a big following, a lot of people reading it, so a lot of fake news could be generated. Um, yeah, so let's hopefully they get, get on top of that as soon as they can. And then last but not least, I just, to stay, man, this is not what the Apple Watch 8 looks like. I'm about to say it, the rumor mills, rumors, are running that uh, when Watch8 is announced, which will be in the next couple of months, we could see a rugged or extreme edition coming out. Now, it'll be a hardier design. um, It'll have longer battery life. It'll have a bigger screen. These are the things that are coming out of the rumor mills and they're generally right. I mean, they don't make up the stuff for fun and games. But the idea was that they designed it for extreme sports. So like long distance hiking, uh, trail running, um, climbing, skiing, or anything along those lines. We would then hopefully see things like GPS tracking, altitude, weather monitoring. I mean, imagine if you're up on a mountain, you get a weather alert. Well, you probably want to know before you go up the mountain. But I suppose if you're up there and it's too late, at least if you get alerted to it, um, you can take the appropriate action, like dig a hole and pray. I don't know, why would you climb a mountain anyway? And I think that brings us to the end of things with a Z. So are you game? If you haven't seen um, uh, Fall Guys, okay, this is a super fun game. Now, it's actually free on a lot of the, I think, across all the platforms at the moment. If you got into Fall Guys a couple of years ago, I think you had to pay for it. Um, but Fall Guys is just basically, it's just a funnel game. Like its name suggests, you fall a lot. There's, I think, 40 or 50 different levels or scenarios where you bounce off things, or you've got things swinging at you and running over roly-poly balls and walls and rulers, and it, it's just it's just fun, and you've got to be in the first, like, 40 to finish in the time limit, and then the next 20 to finish, and then I think the next 16 to finish, like, and obviously you want to win, but to carry on in, in the race. Um, I was playing on Nintendo Switch, I wasn't playing on Xbox, um, Cade was playing on his PC, we're playing against each other. Um, yeah, he's a he's really good at it, like he is with most games. I need some practice, but from a, just as simple, you know, I've been doing a lot of puzzlers later lately, um, and specifically Apple Arcade reviewing. And I wasn't playing on my iPhone this week because I was reviewing the Pixel. So um, yeah, full full guys, super fun. As I said the game's free now, so if you have a Switch or an Xbox or PC, if, probably with a Steam account. Um. Yeah, get, get full guys. Um, a lot of the older generation are playing it as well. It's just, it's like, you need a bit of skill, but it's one of those luck games and the cute little characters and it's just really good fun. So that was uh, are you Game and Q&A. I do have a question, which I actually quite like and I was quite intrigued that this actually came up. So the question that I got is, Hey Brett, what is a super app? So a super app is basically an app which is a single platform that's then owned by a single company that contains multiple services. So an example, I'll give you two examples. Um, WeChat, which is pretty big in China, and we use it here in Australia as well. And In fact, when I started off in radio, the radio show was hosted inside WeChat in South Africa. So WeChat allows users to send instant messages, make payments, host radio stations, uh, shows, bank, play games, travel, you name it. It's like the mini interweb, interweb, internet inside an app. Um, These are not easy to build. Um, And generally, which unfortunately is the case with with, uh, WeChat, the UX falls short. So the user experience is never that great, because you've got so many different things that actually require different types of user experiences or UX design, and to fit them all into one app, you kind of had to sacrifice. So you'd have to give up this in order for that to work and so on. That being said, a company that has done it really well, or sorry, should do it, um, and could do it really well, would be Uber. So Uber has Uber car services, um, Uber delivery, Uber Eats, you know, for food, Um, If they did a super app, they would be able to combine all of these into one app. And I'm sure they will. Um, The fact that someone's asked the question, um, companies are obviously looking at it now and have been, maybe Web3 would also um, expedite this. But basically, um, they should be able to do it because you'd sign up for one Uber account and be able to have all three services, your data, your credit card, all that would already be shared or be there. The design would be pretty similar, so that user experience I was talking about is there. The one thing I can say to companies that are looking at it, so for the person that asked the question, if you're looking at uh, building a super app, um, privacy and data, these are going to be two things. We just talked about a a, a data hack up with our friends with a little blue bird. Um, You know, with all the rules and regulations about data and data privacy, especially when it comes to banking and financing, um, the way we manage data and the sensitive info, it could actually be problematic. And if the app is attacked, you, you're you then getting multiple losses across multiple different platforms that you've brought into that. So something you should consider. Um, reach out. Happy to workshop, with, workshop it with you if you want. Um, but yeah, that's what a super app is. So I think if that's Q&A, then that means that we're at uh, the end of the show. Um Suppose it means that there's only one thing left to do so until next time keep your screens clean and your knobs shiny.